Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence, to new ways to develop rugged individualism, to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real, but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. You are listening to the smooth, smooth sounds of the mating ritual of the majestic giant tortoise. Welcome, everybody, to the weekend edition, the weekend wrap-up edition of the Break the Bell podcast. I am flying solo once again this weekend because my wonderful partner in crime, Bill, is not with me. He is enjoying, instead, a fun-filled weekend, criminal-filled weekend, crime-filled weekend, who knows, uh, in the great city of Las Vegas, so who knows what the hell he's getting into these days, which I'm thinking I'm going to try calling him up here in just a second just to see what he's up to and see if we can catch him in the act and, um, I don't know, incriminate him or something. Who knows? But Bill is not with me for this full episode. I will be flying solo, which is fine. We are going to continue to push through and keep doing the things that we do. Again, this is the weekend wrap-up, so this is where we give you a list uh, list out all the bullshit that's going on across the country all the crazy shit that's going on across the world um, things that we don't get to hit on in the main episode and things that we just find generally interesting or bizarre enough to um, share with you beautiful people out there so hold on tight because um, we got a few interesting things to talk about before we get there I gotta mention obviously our coffee fix of freedom which is once again, this show is brought to you by Run Your Mouth Coffee, the official coffee of free speech. Um, if you like coffee as much as you enjoy free speech, check out rymcoffee.com because uh, 
they deliver a very fresh, delicious brew straight to your door, all the while supporting free speech and all your, all your uh, freedoms and all your constitutional rights, but specifically free speech because um, it is getting harder and harder to speak out in the world today without people um, slamming on you or canceling you because of your opinions. And uh, Run Your Mouth Coffee wants to stand out against that and stand up for your freedom. So support people that support free speech, support small businesses specifically that support uh, free speech because um, it, it is true that if you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, as we always say or like to say on this show, never stop talking. It's the whole premise of this show because we feel that uh, more and more people are willingly giving up their freedoms, specifically free speech. So we want you to continue to enjoy those freedoms that were <laughs> endowed upon us by our creator and um, that the founding fathers uh, explicitly brought up in the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, all that, all that fun shit um, to make sure that we could be the freedom-loving country that we are today. So we like to continue to support these companies that do speak out for pro-First Amendment rights, pro-free speech rights. So go to rymcoffee.com. Make sure you tell them we sent you by using the promo code Break the Bell, all one word, Break the Bell, and um, you'll get 10% off your, your purchase. So make sure you check them out and enjoy their coffee because it is delicious. And I can't say it enough. Uh, support free speech. Moving on, um, as always, make sure you take the time right now to go down and click the like and share and subscribe and all that fun stuff that they tell you to do on social media because that's the way we get around the, the BS algorithms of like YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and wherever else you're listening to us. Uh, make sure you leave a nice, happy review on iTunes if you do listen to us on iTunes because um, they're kind of the, the overlords of the audio version of podcasting. So uh, the more reviews, the more positive reviews we get, the, the more um, they will, we will be exposed to more and more listeners through that platform. So um, if, if you do like what we are doing here, make sure you help us out by doing those things. You are our biggest sponsors. This is like like we say at the end of every show, the outro says, uh, the show is primarily brought to you by you. So um, the more you can help us out, the more that we can reach out to more people and keep this thing going and keep this thing being bigger and better as, as we move forward. Um, on that note, I'm going to try to... Call Bill on Facebook video chats, which I've never tried to do in a podcast scenario, but I just want to drop in on him and see if I can catch him in the act of, or anything. So hang tight while I try to pull Bill up and surprise him with this, this phone call here. Come on, Bill. Don't do this to me. Bill. Hello? Bill. Yeah? You are live on the, the weekend wrap-up of the Break the Hold Bell on, podcast. Hold on, I can't hear you. You're on the Break the Bell podcast. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. I like that. 
Yeah, we mi I missed you so much I had to call you up. It wouldn't let me call you with video, though, so I just got your audio, which is completely fine. I was trying to catch you... Oh, okay. I was trying to catch you in the uh, some incriminating Las Vegas antics there, so um, I thought I'd try to surprise you with a phone call. Um, here. Um, well, my, my, my people are paid well to cover me, so. <laughs> I see. I thought I was your people. <laughs> well, you are, but you cover me when I'm there. Oh, gotcha. I have people all over the country. You got other people. I, I, I see. I don't know why uh, Facebook isn't letting me see video. I think you must have blocked that so you could cover your tracks or something. Maybe your people are blocking it. I don't know. How's how's uh, Las Vegas doing for you? Uh, it's nice. It's really nice. I'm I'm loving it. What's, what is it? So, is it hot as fuck down there like it is up here? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. yeah we just walked the strip, yeah, and uh, just made it back to the Bellagio so we can watch the the fountain show. And I'm seriously wanting to jump in the fountain. <laughs> you should totally do that. I hear people get arrested for doing that. So you, you there, there was a guy that was was sitting in a fountain next to a lion head, um, just <laughs> chilling, and he looks like he was the happiest guy in the world. Oh, I bet he was. <laughs> you, at this point, when it's this hot out, do you think the Vegas police actually care? <laughs> no, no, I don't think they do. Actually, I, I don't even think I've seen a Vegas cop since I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably swimming in the Bellagio with him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what, you're like, okay, man, your 10 minutes is up. <laughs> so give me a, a brief rundown of the best things that you've done in Vegas in the last two days. Okay, lots of drinking. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I just assumed uh, that. Yeah, well, I know. That's a given. That's a given. So I actually I hit my, I hit the prime buzz like three times yesterday. That You know so, it's a good day, a good vacation day when you um, get your good buzz on multiple times a day. I know, I know. So we had a dance party last night. There was a, a dance party in the pool yesterday. How do you, uh, we went to Hoover Dam. How does one dance in a pool? Um, it's actually nice because you don't have to like put as much pressure on the knees. You just kind of float there up and down. You just like kind of bop. It's you just like, bop. It's like those <laughs> like those old people like workout pool classes. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Exactly. That's all it is. That's all it is. I try not to make it more complicated than that. <laughs> all right. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> and you, so, you said you went to Hoover Dam. I didn't even realize until you sent me a picture of that, that Hoover Dam was even close to Vegas. That's how um, ignorant yeah. I am of that. I, I didn't realize it was that close. It was like, yeah, like 30, 40 minutes. And uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, actually. I was impressed with it. The sad thing is I lived two hours from Vegas in 29 Palms, California, and I still didn't know any of that stuff, so I, I feel like I should have. <laughs> that, 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 that is crazy, actually. <laughs> and um, uh, you also uh, led me to believe that you were going to be bungee jumping, when in reality, from what I saw in the video, you just very quickly repelled. Yes, it was, yes. well, I, they advertise it as bungee jumping from the stratosphere. And so that's what I assumed it was. But then, yes, as I got there, it was a rapid descent uh, from 109 stories. Um, and then as you get close to the ground, they put on the brakes, and you just kind of, like, slow down and, and hit the ground kind of at, like, slow speed. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, what it seemed like, which still was probably scary as fuck. But when yeah, I... Well, yeah, I mean, it's still – I mean, it's the highest structure in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could see it from the highway, so I'm like, oh, shit, I jumped off of that. 
but but it was disappointing to me when I watched the video because you didn't bounce back up, and that part would be the scariest part to me is well, that whole like I, I, yes. Bounce. And I actually almost gave them an extra twenty just so they could jerk me up once, so I could say it happened. <laughs> just 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 make it look like I'm bungee jumping, please. <laughs> exactly. I, I need to make it look more like a bungee jump, so just pull really quick. Yes. Well. Um, I'm very jealous that you're down there, and I'm very glad that you didn't die bungee jumping. So that was yes. the, that was the first thing I said to you when you said you're going bungee jumping was, "Hey, don't die." Everybody I told, that's the first thing they said is, "You're going to die." Well, I need you to come back, so I couldn't have you dying. So I'm glad. Yes, you didn't well, die. I will be back for the live show tomorrow. Fantastic! You'll probably be dead and like hungover and shit. So that'll be fun. <laughs> probably. So well, um, I'll let you get back at it. I don't want you to keep keep you too long from your um insanity there because you got hey, you're, that's, you're on your last sorry. day you're on your last day you gotta you gotta enjoy it I yes guess. no i definitely am so big big shout out to the bell breakers yep and uh, uh, i will be back tomorrow perfect uh, i can't wait and i can't wait to hear all your stories so i'll get you out of here and um i'll see you tomorrow night all right sounds good all right bye bill if you don't know who that was, that was Bill Filter, uh, the co-host of this show. So, um, again, he bailed on me for his antics there in Las Vegas, which we didn't get to see video footage of because apparently my uh, browser sucks, but that's fine. Um, we at least got to get him on the phone for a few seconds to hear his beautiful voice, and um, it, it just doesn't seem the same without him, so I, I had to call him up and... So I, I'm sure you, hopefully you, you all feel the same about him. <laughs> You're not like, damn it, I really wanted to break from that Bill guy, so um, sorry if I ruined that for you. But we do have some news stories to cover because there is quite a bit of ridiculousness going on in the world, and we don't want to miss that, so uh, we're going to start. The first thing going on this week that seems to be getting way less attention than you would think it would get is... The Tokyo Olympics are going on right now. The, the opening ceremony happened Friday night, and I missed all of it. I didn't watch a single second of it. I planned to turn it on, but I completely forgot about it. That's how unhyped up this whole event has been this year. Uh, we all know, we've all talked about the fact that there's not going to be live spectators at the Olympics. And how depressing would that be for... You to train basically your entire life to go represent your country in front of the entire world and have completely empty seats there as you go through the motions just like you were basically in training. I would find that super depressing. Um, from what I understand, there's been a lot of rules in the hotels against um, the normal sex hookups that go on. I guess I guess the Olympic hotels are like basically orgies. Each year, from what I've what I've heard, I haven't experienced it firsthand, but that's what I've heard. And they're trying to cut tra uh, cut back on the the Olympic orgies this year because obviously because of COVID, we don't want people being disgusting and having um, these sex parties and spreading the the horrible deadly virus there. So um, no sex orgies, no Olympic sex orgies. So that's probably disappointing for some people who. Um, train their whole life to get to the point where they could have that status of Olympic-style sex orgies. So, no sex orgies, no spectators in the Olympics, and from what I've heard, 
the opening ceremonies were pretty mild to disappointing from what I've heard. Being considering the fact that it's Tokyo, one of the top like uh, technology based countries, one of the uh, most advanced technologically, um, it's very surprising to me that it was such a disappointment. I don't know if it's because of the lack of spectators or because um, they had to go through such extreme like protocols to meet like COVID restrictions and things like that. Um, apparently, this was pushed from last year. I <laughs> that's how much I missed last year due to COVID was I didn't realize the Olympics got canceled last year and pushed to this year. And does that mean it pushes all the next Olympics back a year, or are we going to see another one next? Are the Olympic or the Winter Olympics going to be next year? Because how it works is every four years they do the summer, and every four years they do winter. So it's like every other year there's some form of Olympics. There's summer, then two years uh, winter, two years summer. So. Are we going to see Winter Olympics next year, or does it push them all back? And does that just throw off everything in the world? I mean, maybe that's why it was so um, disappointing, because it didn't fall on that even year that it was supposed to fall on. Does that like somehow mess up the mojo of, do the Olympic gods like frown upon odd years or something? Who knows, but um, I do have this video clip uh, just kind of highlighting the opening ceremony, which, again, like I said, was supposedly extremely disappointing. So I'm going to play this. It's just a couple of minutes, and um, we'll see if we see this. This is what they call the highlights of this. So this should be all the good parts of the opening ceremony. So I'm going to pull this up real quick. Yep, that is not what I want to pull up. Here we go. celebrates the history and the great artistry of ancient Japanese carpentry. And you'll hear a song called the Kiari Uta. It's a traditional Japanese work song. And of course, there's a larger theme at work here. How do you start an Olympics? You build it. I like that. The flag bears are getting ready. There's Sue Bird, basketball legend. And her mom, Nancy, is back on Long Island with her boyfriend Harry they're sitting there waiting to watch Sue and the other flag bearer Okay, first of all, how shitty would it be to be the the parents of an Olympic all-star and have to sit at home and watch it on Zoom? That would that would just suck. You I get that you didn't do the work that your daughter did. I think that was a female. <laughs> Pretty sure. Um couldn't I mean with masks these days and different hair <laughs> hairstyles, who knows? But um, how do, how much would it suck to sit there and like go through the rigors with your son or daughter for their entire life um, to get them to this point, to push them, to to support them, going to every single game? I'm sure every single performance or um, uh, competition, uh, practice, pushing them through this their entire life to get to this point where your son or daughter is representing your country in these worldwide Olympic Games, and you can't go because of COVID. That just, that would suck so bad to me. I, I would, I'd find a way to sneak into those Olympic uh, stadiums. I would, I'd be the one that's like breaking into them. It's, it's like, it'd be depressing for the parents. It'd be depressing for the, the um, athlete 
to not get to share this experience with the most important people in their lives. Anyway, carrying on. Eddie Alvarez, his parents Mabel and Walter with a big party ready to watch their son at his moment. Second largest Olympic team in U.S. history. No nation has won more medals at the Summer Olympics than the United States of America entering now. You saw Jill, Jill Biden clapping there. I'm pretty sure that's who that was. Again, it's hard to tell with the stupid mask on. I read an article that said, a bunch of the U.S. athletes were chanting at some point, Dr. Biden, Dr. Biden. Was it, I mean, staged? Yes, obviously, completely staged. There's no way um, with all the shit that you got going on getting to this point, you give two fucks about the president's wife there. I don't know a damn thing about Dr. Biden, uh, Jill Biden, I, other than the fact that she's uh, uh, Joe Biden's wife, obviously. But I... I would not give two shits if the president was there, if the president's wife was there, if the king of the goddamn world was there. I wouldn't be chanting their name voluntarily. So it's kind of bullshit that they're all chanting Dr. Biden's name. And it doesn't show it here in the video, fortunately, thank God, because that's just very disgusting staged politicism that that doesn't even need to be need to exist in the Olympic Games. Moving on. Argentina. Argentina's turned the second largest country by area in South America after Brazil. So it goes through all these different countries. Well, we are gonna, gonna move forward. The highlights, like I said, this is the highlight reel. This is supposed to be the good stuff of the opening ceremonies, and they're showing just, like, different countries coming in. How is that the good stuff? That's just, that's like the students walking in at a freaking graduation ceremony. I mean, it's not the most exciting part of the ceremony, but somehow this made the highlight reel. That just shows how disappointing this, this opening ceremony was. Ochoa comes to mind, two-time major champion. Lorena Ochoa is a huge mentor for Gabby Lopez. Those are 1,800 drones high above the Olympic Stadium. High above the Olympic Stadium. A sight never before seen, a feat of technology and beauty, a celestial body hovering over Tokyo in a moment and a vision for the world. Okay, that's cool as fuck. 1,800 drones like forming the shape of the world in a sphere above Olympic Stadium. That's really cool. It's not surprising that Japan would do something like this, but it also wouldn't surprise me if this is completely freaking fake because I remember during the China Olympics, the Beijing Olympics, they did like the firework footprints. It looked like footprints walking through the city to the Olympic Stadium. And lo and behold, that was all computer generated and that didn't even happen from what, what I've heard. So, is this computer generated? Is this something just <laughs> thrown on your TV screens to look cool? I don't know. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Tokyo 
had some kind of crazy drone um, serum or display here. That would be scary as hell having all those drones doing that above me because um, what if they all just like shut off and just fell? That's 1,800 drones. That's that's going to hurt a little bit. But um, from what I've seen, this is the coolest part of the entire ceremony, if this is, indeed is real. Okay, this part's stupid. This part's really stupid because this is just a guy dressed in blue and white, and all he's doing is mimicking the shapes of the logos for each event on stage. He's like a high school sport mascot. He represents the running guy, and they angle the screen to match a basketball guy. I uh, don't know what that is. A football. Or rugby, I guess. That was really dumb. And then there's this uh, Japanese, like, ancient ancestral-looking being doing some dance to somebody on a piano, playing a piano. Not on the person. <laughs> doing a dance to somebody playing a piano. Grammy-winning pianist and jazz composer. She studied at the Berklee College of Music in Boston. Mendoza joining oh, us now. Apparently that's it. That apparently is all because it just cuts out after that. Again, that's the highlight reel. The highlight reel of what's supposed to be the most significant Olympics in history is apparently a big flop. Because apparently, according to most sources, the N NBC's Olympic opening ceremony is watched by the fewest viewers in 33 years. So this was... Pretty much a major flop, which, if you look at everything that's been publicized on mainstream television, like the Grammys and Emmys and all those award ceremonies, they've been receiving the few, the lowest rankings, the lowest ratings and viewers for the last few years, too. <coughs> so it's no surprise to me that some anything that's viewed on <laughs> mainstream television is receiving very few, very low ratings. Personally... I think it's probably chalked up to marketing because you really haven't seen too many commercials <laughs> promoting the Olympics, which I don't watch regular television, but you'd think they'd promote it on like uh, the streaming services and all over like Facebook and stuff because that's where everybody gets their information anymore. Less and less people are watching um, regular television, red, like syndicated television, over-the-air TV <laughs> because... Um, it's ancient technology. People are tire tired of the cable services. They're tired of um, paying all the freaking high prices. So instead, they're paying all the bullshit prices to the streaming services or trying to find alternate ways to um, view their content. And so if you're not marketing that on those streaming services, that just shows how um, out of touch you are with your market because... If you want people to watch, they got to know what's going on. Again, I completely forgot that the opening ceremonies were Friday um, until I think yesterday or this morning. I was like, oh, shit, I missed the opening ceremonies of the Olympics. And apparently I didn't miss too much if that was the highlights of this, this ceremony. 
So this article is from New York Post talking about, um, like I said, the ceremony watched by the fewest viewers in 33 years. So I'm going to pull this one up and see what it has to say. It says NBC's broadcast of the opening ceremony for the 2021 Olympics attracted 16.7 million viewers in the U.S., the lowest audience in 33 years. Preliminary data released by NBC Universal shows. On all of NBC's platforms, including the network stations and apps, 17 million people watched the event on Friday, NBC Universal said in an email. The TV audience was the lowest since 1988 Soul Games, which drew 22.7 million people to their tubes. It's the lowest since Soul. It's the lowest since before. If if they <laughs> attracted 16.7 million viewers and the Soul Games attracted 22.7 million people, it's lower than the Soul Games. It's not the lowest since the Soul Games. It's lower since before the Soul Games. I don't know where they're doing their math or where they're coming up with this stuff, but I think they're going to have to go back before the Soul Games, before this 33 years, to say this is the lowest since because 22.7 million in normal math, maybe not common core math, but in normal math is still higher than the 17 million that watched on Friday. It says Friday's viewership was also smaller than the 1992 Barcelona games when 21.6 million people tuned in. So, yes, that is, again, smaller than that. The audience numbers for the Tokyo opener declined 37% from 2016's Brazil games. That is a huge drop in viewership. When 26.5 million people watched the opening festivities and 59% from 2012, when 40.7 million people watched the ceremony held in London. Goes on to say the streaming audience on the Comcast platforms grew 76% from 2018 Yong Cheng opening ceremony and 72% from the 2016 Rio opener. But despite the recent proliferation of streaming options for those without cable TV, Friday's overall audience was significantly lower than in the years past, figures show. The rating difficulty for the fanless Olympics comes after the Post reported on the challenges of getting viewers to laptops and TVs. Well, a good start would be to promote them on those streaming services. Like I said, if you are specifically wanting to reach a predominantly streaming viewership, then you have to promote on streaming services. Even if it's beyond your streaming platform, reaching out to other streaming platforms to promote these things because, I'm sorry, I don't typically watch NBC online to see their commercials and their ads for it. So you have to reach out past that. I think there's more going on here than, than that, though. I think there's just this atmosphere of pushing away from some of these these things, these worldwide things that are going on with the, the current atmosphere, like, mentality for some of these things. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, how can you, how can you possibly throw games right now during this giant pandemic? The people are dying. People are dying and you want to play games. I'm sure there's, there's that shit going on. I'm sure it's all over the place. And I'm sure there's people um, probably boycotting the Olympics for various reasons. Well, 
Well, uh, you're allowing athletes that kneel for the American flag, so I'm not going to support the U.S. Olympics because cause fuck those athletes. I mean, it's just it's just the mentality we're in these days. So there, there's something here. There's probably a lot of things going into effect here. It says, we believe there's an opportunity to bring... Oh, it says, NBC's Olympic executive producer said the lack of spectators presented an opportunity to bring viewers closer to the action than ever. So um, they're saying that NBC opted to not pump in the fake crowd noise like you saw in the in Major League Baseball or the NFL where they were pumping in fake crowd noise to make it sound like it wasn't so boring. Um, so they thought that by not pumping in that crowd noise, we could feel more connected to the viewers at home, bringing viewers closer to the action than ever, it says. We believe there's an opportunity to bring viewers closer to the action than ever, um, and it's sports like swimming, gymnastics, track, basketball, beach volleyball. You're going to hear the sounds of the games like you've never heard them before, from the thrashing and splashing in the pool to those intimate conversations between competitors and coaches. You think that's going to draw on people? That's the excitement that they... We'd like... You know what we'd like to hear? We'd like to hear more of the splashing of the synchronized swimmers. That, I mean, that would make me want to watch it. You know, I, I wish I could hear the beads of sweat dripping on the floor from the, the basketball players. I, I don't think that's going to make people feel closer to the game. It says, we really believe the Tokyo Olympics will be the most meaningful Olympics in our lifetime. Wow. That didn't age well, considering we're down 37% of viewership of the opening ceremonies since the last time. So if this is supposed to be the most meaningful, it's like people really don't give a shit about your meaning, apparently. That is all for that article. I just find it interesting, the lack of people that really give a shit about the Olympics anymore. Is, I mean, is there something to this? Is it... I, is it, I, I don't know. Should we be watching the, the bread and circuses while, while a pandemic is raging across the world or while there's um, people starving in other countries? Should we be propping up? I mean, I, I have no problem with this. I don't see this as like this on the same level as pro sports where uh, billionaires, multi-billionaires are out bitching about inequality like LeBron James bitching about uh poor people poor African Americans while he's sitting on um I I guess probably not billionaire but at least multimillionaires um while he's sitting on millions and millions of dollars in multiple mansions bitching about inequality this whole disconnect of athletes at least for the most part the athletes in the Olympics are the normies. They're they're the people that can relate more to the normal people out there and the, their normal lives because especially from some of these other countries, these are people that live those normal lives normally and just are really fucking fast in the process. Um, the most interesting part that I got out of the Olympic ceremony was this article that talks about 
in, inexcusable mistakes from a South Korean broadcaster who was very apparently tone deaf in how he how this South Korean broadcasting station presented or introduced each country. So this is from CNN.com. This is the woke culture coming out and bitching about whatever they can find to bitch about. This says, Pizza for Italy and Dracula for Romania. South Korean broadcaster apologizes for his Olympic ex- inexcusable mistake. It's not really a mistake. A mistake is something you do on accident. A mistake is something that you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that would cause problems. I didn't know that was um, referencing stereotypes. Now, this was intentional, and now they're backpedaling because people like threw a fit about it. Says Seoul, South Korea. The Tokyo Olympics opening ceremony is a gratuitously enjoyable affair with bulging muscles and beaming athletes proudly walking the parade of nations. Bulging muscles? That's creepy. Look at all them bulging muscles and beaming athletes. The made-for-TV spectacle is an entryway for some viewers to learn more about countries and athletes they are less familiar with. But in trying to bridge the knowledge gap, one South Korean broadcaster failed spectacularly, drawing from a bank of offensive stereotypes to depict several countries. When Haiti's athletes walked out onto the stadium, a caption posted on screen by South Korea's MBC, not NBC, MBC read, The political situation is fogged by the assassination of the president. Do you think Haiti wants to have that as their entry music? Instead of entry music, basically, it's these, like, things that these countries are known for. Haiti! Their president just got assassinated. Now their political situation is foggy. Yeah, that's that's what they want brought to the forefront right now during these Olympic Games. When a Syrian athlete, when Syrian athletes entered, NBC aired a caption that said, "Rich underground resources, a civil war that's been going on for 10 years." Again, let's point out the positives of each country here. What you should know about these countries. Haiti is in uh, just had their president assassinated. Syria is in the middle of a civil war for 10 years now. Longest run civil war in the Middle East for at least 10 years. Another NBC caption described the Marshall Islands as once a nuclear test site for the U.S. And when Ukraine's athletes entered the parade, NBC showed an image of the Chernobyl disaster, the worst nuclear accident. Talk about, uh, talk about praising these people for their cultures. Like, um, they, they... The one thing that Ukraine's culture is known for is the Chernobyl disaster. Let's celebrate multiple cultures and multiple, like, huge events in these countries' history. And the Chernobyl disaster obviously is the most memorable, but probably the least likely that they would want aired as their intro music. Obviously, it's not music, but you get what I'm saying here. And then the Marshall Islands being reminded that they were obliterated under the U.S. nuclear tests, dropping, like, monstrous, uh, atom, not atom bombs, but the hydrogen bombs. Like, some of the biggest bombs ever created were dropped on the Marshall Islands to test them. And people were displaced for—I think they're still displaced in some of those islands. When Italy walked on, the broadcaster pulled up an image of pizza. Do these people—okay, 
I mean, this is South Korea. Do they not have access to any information about these countries? Or was he just trying to be funny? I I don't know what he's trying to do here, but you got Chernobyl for Ukraine, and you got, obviously, pizza for Italy, a salmon filet for Norway, and Dracula for uh, Romania. And for Team El Salvador, a country where Bitcoin is illegal tender, a picture representing cryptocurrency was shown. That's not that big of a deal, but still. Says the broadcaster's gaffe led to the deluge of online criticism. Gee, I wonder why. With one South Korean Twitter user writing, MBC, wow, how would it be if South Korea was introduced as the country of Seoul, the Seoul Ferry Disaster? Yeah, that, I mean, that's fair. Says on Saturday, NBC issued a formal apology to the countries concerned and our viewers. See, that's what bothers me with these things, is that they can't not know that some of these are going to offend other countries. They can't not know that Ukraine's going to be offended when Chernobyl is their theme music, their intro music to the, the Olympics, the worldwide sports event, the Olympics, and their theme is Chernobyl. They can't know this, like, intentionally put these on the screen and not know that that's highly offensive to some of these countries that probably just want to forget these disasters. But then to come out and act like, oops, sorry, I didn't realize. My bad, guys. My bad. I should have known. No, you didn't know. And yes, it is kind of laughable, but to turn around and backpedal for it is even worse because that's making you look like a fucking moron, like you didn't know what you were doing there. It says, the images and captions are intended to make it easier for viewers to understand the entering countries quickly during the opening ceremonies. So what they need to know and understand about Ukraine is Chernobyl. What they need to know and understand about Italy is pizza. Says, however, we admit that there was lack of consideration for countries concerned and inspection was not thorough enough. It was an inexcusable mistake. It's not a mistake. It was an intentional. It was intentional is what it was. And now you're saying, oops, I didn't realize that this was going to piss some people off. You did. You're, it's like if a comedian gets up on stage and runs off this super long um, offensive tirade against like... Every every culture, because that's what comedians do. And then comes back later and says, you know, I didn't realize I was going to piss people off. No, you did. You did know you were going to piss people off. So just own up to it, I guess, or don't do it in the fucking first place. I think it's hilarious. I wonder what they said for the United States. It didn't say. It says, however, we... Uh, I read, uh, already read that part. It says the broadcaster also promised a full review of its editorial process, vowing no more Olympic blunders. NBC is not the only broadcaster coming under fire for its coverage of the Games. China's consulate general in New York has criticized the American network NBC for using an incomplete map of China when broadcasting the Chinese delegation's entry at the Tokyo Olympics opening ceremony. <coughs> Excuse me. In a statement released on social media Saturday, the consulate's spokesperson said the map created a very bad influence and harmed the dignity and emotion of the Chinese people and urged NBC to recognize the serious nature of the problem. 
The Consulate General in New York would like to point out that the map is an expression of national territory, which symbolizes national sovereignty and, and, and territorial integrity. Attempts to use Olympic Games to play political tricks and self-promotion to achieve ulterior motives will never succeed. NBC's map of China did not include Taiwan or the South China Sea. The broadcaster told CNN that they do not wish to comment on this matter at this time. So that's completely different. Completely different scenario there. We got on one hand, this tone-deaf uh, South Korean news agency that's trying to play these jokes and then deciding, you know, my bad, I that was a little tone-deaf. Yes, it was tone-deaf, and it was kind of funny at the same time. On the other hand, you have the U.S., playing politics, I guess, by not including Taiwan or the South China Sea um, because some places don't recognize those as part of China. Well, China's pissed off because it makes them look like we're doing just that, not recognizing those parts as part of China. I mean, should we... I mean, Russia... I'm sure thinks like Ukraine. I mean, Russia tried to annex Ukraine back to it, what, five, six years ago. Do we bow down to Russia for not including former Soviet Union states in their map because that's what they recognize as part of their country? Or do we just broadcast whatever the fuck we feel like or what we as the United States recognize as those territories and just say, if you don't like it, I'm sorry, this ain't your news agency. I mean, do we bow down or, or, like, do we do we try to um, appease every single country when we do these things? Because I'm sure there's a lot of contested territories across the world on different sides of the spectrum. I'm sure if you go to probably hundreds of countries, there's contested territories. I mean, how do we how do we appease to all of them, especially when? We know of the atrocities that are going on in China. If we don't recognize those those as their territories, then fuck them, I guess. That's my take on it. But as far as these representations of each country, I think it's hilarious. It made me laugh reading. I mean, if I saw, if I saw actually watch this and saw Chernobyl as the representation of Ukraine, that is hilarious to me. Yes, it sucks for those countries, but I think it's fucking hilarious. So <clears throat> I'm going to have to go find that video. Let's move on because we are quickly running out of time, and I got other things besides the ridiculous Olympics to watch, or to watch, to cover. Did any of you guys watch the Olympics, the opening ceremonies? Has anybody, did everybody just do what I did and just fucking ignore it because it doesn't seem all that important anymore? Let me know. Uh, comment. Do whatever. Let me know if there was anything more to the Olympics than that highlight video, that highlight reel that I showed. And um, I guess maybe I'll look into it a little further. Otherwise, I don't fucking care because um, it seems to be a free big freaking joke these days. So um, I'm not going to spend any more time on it. Moving on. COVID is still in the news. Who would have figured? New variants, new strains, new, new, um, the what the Delta variant that is supposedly not really effective, affected by the, um, the vaccine. 
Dr. Fauci is coming out and say and saying new mask guidelines for the vaccinated Americans under act are under active consideration amid the Delta outbreak. So all of a sudden now, Fauci saying this is dangerous for the vaccinated, even though just a few days ago in his freaking town hall, President Biden said. The only people really being affected by um, COVID right now is the unvaccinated. So why then do we need new mask guidelines for the vaccinated? And I'm going to talk, I think we're going to talk about this town hall meeting, this joke of a town hall meeting in tomorrow's live stream episode. I got to get with Bill. Um, like I, Obviously, he's in Vegas right now. I can't talk to him too much um, and see where we want to go with that. But I, I really kind of want to cover that town hall meeting. And all the bullshit that went on during that town hall meeting on CNN with Don Lemon and who's kind of, I don't know, he's the, he's got his hands up Biden's ass as a puppet for these these CNN events because he's constantly, if, if Biden gives an incomplete answer, he's constantly like pushing him towards the answer. Like, so what you're saying is this. Or what do you think, like, he's kind of coaxing him along to give his answers, which shouldn't be how the media um, handles a politician. It shouldn't be them trying to make the politician look good. It should be them just reporting on exactly how the politician is. So I'm going to talk about that, I think, in tomorrow's live stream um, episode. So count on that. Otherwise, back to here, like I said, Biden was saying the only pandemic is amongst the unvaccinated. Yet now Fauci is saying we need new mask guidelines. We're considering new mask guidelines for vaccinated amid the Delta outbreak. So let's see what they got to say about this, because that seems a little two sided. I don't know. Again, it's hard to. Follow the science when the science keeps changing constantly. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, so this is from ZeroHedge.com. Remember when the U.S. government and top health officials told Americans to get vaccines so life can return to normal? Think again. On Sunday, NIAID Director Anthony Fauci admitted to CNN's State of the Union that health officials may revise mass guidelines for those who are vaccinated telling host Jake Trapper that bringing back mask mandates for vaccinated folks is under active consideration. It says, if you look at the infection of the curve, look at the inflection of the curve of the new cases, as you said in the run into this interview, it is among the unvaccinated. Again, they're saying, oh, it's, oh yeah, the, the curve is the unvaccinated. Um, there's really no problem with the vaccinated says, and since we have 50% of the country that is not fully vaccinated, that's a problem, said Fauci, director of the NIAID. Adding the CDC agrees with that ability and discretion capability to say, you know, you're in a situation where we're having a lot of dynamics of infection. All right, so, so let's take a look at this paragraph. The curve of new cases is in the unvaccinated. And if you remember... They changed the standard. They changed how the testing standards for only the vaccinated once the vaccine started really being pushed out, rolled out. They changed them so 
um, they would only test the vaccinated a handful of times to look for this when they were testing and testing and testing until they found they were basically testing until they found an infection in the unvaccinated. And they've changed the reporting standards in the vaccinated. They've changed all this stuff in the vaccinated, not across the board, but just the vaccinated. So now they can say that the, the, the curve of new cases is only in the unvaccinated. Well, yeah, because you still have these really strict testing standards for the unvaccinated, but then you've laxed up the testing standards for the vaccinated. So how can you fucking possibly say that there's there's no new cases or there's much, much fewer new cases? Well, because you moved the goalposts for the vaccinated. You moved them. So it's not as easy to hit the goalposts and as easy to find those infections. I think there was a thing that said if people weren't hospitalized or dead, they weren't included in an active case of COVID. I can't remember. I have to go back and look through the things. But you, how, how do you test and report on these two, different, two, these two separate sides two completely different ways? And then compare the two and say, look, there's far more infections in the unvaccinated than there is in the vaccinated. Well, yeah, because because you're actively looking for it in the unvaccinated and you're not actively looking for it in the vaccinated anymore. I digress. It says, even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. That's a local decision that's not incompatible with the CDC's overall recommendation that give a lot of discretion to the locals. So he's saying you should wear a mask, but that's not inc incompatible with our the CDC's direction that you don't need to wear a mask. That makes no sense. That is in direct <laughs> conflict with those two statements. Meanwhile, Los Angeles County just reinstated its mask mandate because of the emerging Delta variant. Fauci also said booster shots could be introduced as a way to prevent virus transmission. You've got to look at the data. And the data is that evolving from Israel and from Pfizer indicates that it looks like there may be some diminution in protection. Fauci also pushed back against Senator Rand Paul and Washington Post columnist Josh Rogan after he repeatedly denied that the NIH was funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan, China. Go back and watch or read about the debacle back and forth between Fauci and Rand Paul because... Um, it got pretty heated, and Rand Paul is basically saying he needs to be charged with crimes into this gain-of-function research, and basically Fauci pulled a, a Fauci, and I don't know, he just basically told him he doesn't know what he's talking about. It says, on, fa on Friday, Fauci praised scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and defended his funding of bat coronavirus research. You know, it's more complicated than that. If you look at the research that was done, it was research that was highly recommended by peer reviews, our United States peer reviews. It got a very high score in the peer review system. And the purpose of the research was very, very clear. It was to try to determine what was out there in the bat population that might be ultimately risky for us. It was done in the context of trying to find out what the precise environmental bat source was a SARS-CoV-2, so we could prevent SARS-CoV-2. So in other words, you got to look at it. It's like he's, he's talking political ease. He's like, no, I mean, you can accuse me 
of this gain of function research, but it was you got to look at it. It's it's much more complicated. Again, you're all stu too stupid to understand what's going on here. If you look at the research, it was highly recommended by peer review in the United States. That's not saying it wasn't gain of function research, Mr. Fauci. You're just talking in circles. Says so, so it was research that was done by qualified people. Right now, when there's all of this thing about China, that's a different situation now back then when you're dealing with qualified, highly respected Chinese scientists. So it isn't what was made out to be about dealing with really, really bad people because those scientists were very well respected in the scientific community and internationally. So are you saying it was or was not gain-of-function research? So John Miller at Miller Stream on Twitter says, Flustered Fauci, uh, BTFO by Rand Paul, whatever the beat the fuck out. I don't know. I don't know what BTFO means. Says first admits it is gain of function to increase transmissibility from hu animals to humans. Then screams, you don't know what you're talking about. Then says it's not gain of function to increase transmissibility from animals to humans. So let's see if I can actually play this video. So Let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans. Right. You're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And, and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially. You do not know what you are talking about. Let's okay, you get NIH. one person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of function. This is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function. They took animal viruses that only occur in animals and they increased their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function. It is not. It's a dance and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic. And let's let send Dr. Fauci. I have to, well, now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the, the grant that was funded as a sub-award from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2, that's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. If it did I come can from the lab, but all you. the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab, you. and there will be responsibility for those okay. who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I totally This committee resent. will allow the witness to... So, a big, like, spat back and forth, obviously, there, but it seemed like Fauci was playing Jack Nicholson and a few good men when he's like... You don't know what you're talking about there, Mr. Mr. Paul. Sorry, that's my my best my best Fauci impersonation. Um I haven't worked on it, so thank you. Thank you. Um It sounds like he's playing the the Jack Dick Nicholson character there when he's put on the stand and um uh, being accused by Tom Cruise of whatever and he yells, you can't handle the truth. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like um, fucking Mr. Fauci is, is the road he's going down there because he's almost playing this whole, you're too stupid to understand what we do here. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to officially say you don't know 
what you're talking about because you're too stupid to understand. And that's that's the game that they play with us is, well, you can't question me on this because you are too dumb to understand what what is actually going on here. You you don't understand the the stuff that that we put into our research here. And so God bless Rand Paul for even for putting on the show to to just to get Fauci flustered because real truth comes out when people like in high places get flustered. As you saw on a few good men. Real the the truth leaks out through their frustration, through their flusteredness, if that's the word, flustration, I don't know. Um it starts to it starts to show and they they say things that they've been holding inside in these these cover-ups for so long all of a sudden that starts to come out and you start to see the real side of them even if he didn't say you know we did do this fuck you but when he comes out it's like you don't know what you're talking about you have no clue of anything that we're talking about it's just this whole like showing this mentality of we're all too dumb to even question them on this so it goes on to say NIH's reporter Website said the agency provided $15.2 million to Peter Daszak's Echo Health Alliance over the years with $3.74 million towards understanding bat coronavirus emergence. <clears throat> so what's coming out now, according to Paul, Rand Paul, is that obviously they say that gain-of-function research is making viruses, um, animal viruses, popular among animals, um, susceptible to human transmission. And Paul was coming out and saying, Senator Paul was coming out and saying, you did that with this. You made it transmissible. You're seeing if you how, how to um, make it transmissible to humans so you could see how to counter it or whatever it is that he's saying. So you're telling me this isn't gain-of-function research based on your definition of what gain-of-function research is? And he's like, no, it's not. And you you don't know what you're talking about. That's not a fucking answer. That's just sidestepping as as Senator Paul said, that's just just dancing. It's just dancing around the situation. So I I really want charges to be brought up, even though I know it's gonna go nowhere. At least maybe it will taint this guy's record enough that he will just fucking go away because I'm tired of I'm tired of hearing about him. I'm tired of him being the end all go to uh, go to for um, what we should do during this virus when possibly he's one of the ones responsible or at least has a hand in the in how in being responsible for how this came to existence this pandemic quote unquote pandemic some more covid stuff if the doj doj is declining to investigate cuomo on his handling of covid-19 in nursing homes so all this shit that he's responsible for putting your putting the grandmas or the sick people in the nursing homes back in the early days of COVID, DOJ doesn't fucking care, and they're not even going to look into it. It says U.S. Justice Department announced Saturday it will not conduct a civil investigation into New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's handling of the coronavirus cases in state nursing facilities. In a letter sent to New York Representative Lee Zeldin on Friday, Deputy Assistant Attorney General Joe Gaeta wrote that the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division had requested information on nursing facilities run by or for the state of New York. 
After review, the letter stated that the department would decline to open an investigation to any public nursing home facility in the state based on violations of Civil Rights and Institutionalized Persons Act. So they're not going to open them because it violates civil rights? Hmm, interesting how that works. Department of Civil Rights Division requested for the opening, and they're declining based on violations of civil rights. Zeldin requested the investigation earlier this year, adding to the growing number of the state and federal inquiries into the New York governor. Zeldin, a Republican candidate in next year's gubernatorial race, represents... Oh, so, so obviously, obviously this is um, an attack on Cuomo, which rightfully so. The guy does share a lot of responsibility in what happened in those nursing homes. It was his direct um, responsibility, and he's the one that wrote books on how he handled, how he came out on top of this COVID thing when, in the beginning, he fucking killed grandmas in nursing homes. So, but the fact is, this Zeldin person is a candidate against Cuomo in next year's um, congressional race, or (laughs) gubernatorial race, sorry. So it says, Zeldin, a Republican candidate in the gubernatorial race, represents a congressional district in Long Island, released a statement Friday attacking the Justice Department for his decision. He said, The family and loved ones of the victims of Governor Cuomo's failed leadership deserve transparency, accountability, and the truth about the lengths of the Cuomo administration's cover-up and corruption. The Department of Justice has now chosen to willfully participate in the effort to deny public answers and accountability. Cuomo's handling of the coronavirus case in the early days of the pandemic has been the source of controversy after the state ordered nursing home facilities to accept discharging hospital patients, regardless of a suspected or positive diagnosis of the virus. Cuomo's office was accused of downplaying and undercounting the subsequent death tolls in nursing homes. So we've talked about that plenty. We've talked about... The fact that Cuomo and his administration downplayed the virus, downplayed their their responsibility in um, ordering nursing homes to accept these hospital patients, regardless of their positive diagnosis of coronavirus, and yet this is not being investigated. The DOJ said, nope, we're not going to look into this. So... It says in January, a report by New York Attorney General Letitia James found a large number of nursing home residents died from COVID-19 than the New York State Department Health published. So they also covered up, it says, by as much as 50% of the deaths in nursing homes. They covered it up to downplay it. Yet Donald Trump should be brought up on charges for saying, yes, I, I did not want to spark panic, so I kind of downplayed the virus a little bit. The state of New York completely manipulated numbers to downplay their responsibility in these nursing home deaths by as much as 50% of the deaths. So let's say a million people, let's say a thousand people died in nursing homes. They covered up as much as 500 of those nursing home deaths. All for, for to cover their own asses, obviously. But we're not going to open up any sort of investigation into this because that might make things look bad. 
worse than they already look. And finally, in the, the realm of infectious diseases, apparently an untreatable deadly fungus resistant to all medications is spreading rapidly across the USA. So we got that to look forward to. Some deadly fungus that I think it's, a, it, it's called Candida auris, a yeast infection, first identified in Asia in 2009. So this fungus that's deadly, resistant to all forms of medication, I guess. So um, are we going to need masks for that? I mean, yeast infections, I mean... You don't typically think of yeast infections getting in through your nasal passages, so um, maybe we got to wear masks in other places. Urgent threat by the CDC. It says outbreaks of the infection in the healthcare setting have been classified as an urgent threat by the CDC. Much like other viruses, it can easily spread patient through patient contact or contaminated surfaces. Much like other viruses, this fungus. Let me give you a little tiny science lesson here. Funguses aren't viruses. Viruses are not funguses. So you can't use the utter the phrase much like other viruses because this isn't a fucking virus. There's no antivirus for funguses. There's antifungal creams and stuff that you put on athlete's foot and shit like that. But it's hard to follow the science when the reporters are saying things like much like other viruses, this fungus spreads blah, blah, blah. Because it's not a virus. It's something completely different. So, again, something else we should be worried about. Some, I'm sure there's going to be shutdowns for that. As well as, we can't forget about the monkeypox virus that just got to America. And then we got the Delta strain. We got all these fucking sicknesses. So we might as well just shut ourselves in our freaking Petri dish houses for the rest of forever. I mean, just get rid of fun altogether because of all the shit that's possibly spreading. Not to mention the fact that I had read that there was like several, several um, ancient viruses that were coming to life with like the melting of the polar ice and, and shit like that. So we got this ancient viruses coming out of hibernation in the, in the South and North Pole wherever because of ice melting we've got this fungus we've got monkeypox we've got delta variant so we we might as well just fucking give up i mean what's the point of even going through all these precautions when every single day we find out about another super super bug that's been unleashed on the world and last but not least i am definitely over my hour but i have to mention Backtrack to, do you remember when um, Governor Whitmer of Michigan was possibly, there was there was a threat on her life and her well-being, like there was a, there was a conspiracy to kidnap her and hold her hostage and bring her to Wisconsin to be tried for treason and blah, blah, blah by these militant groups. And that's what sparked part of what sparks the um, push to take down some of these militant groups because of their threat to national security. All these right wing militias and their Hawaiian print shirts. Apparently, there was 
a lot of FBI agents involved. And we just talked about FBI involvement in the January 6th thing. And now there's a lot of FBI involvement in, like, at the core of this plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer. This article is from MLive.com. It says, Entrapment accusations and scandal emerge in the Whitmer kidnapping plot case. No, I'm not going to read that one. This one was better. This one's from Yahoo News, actually. FBI informants had bigger a bigger role in the Whitmer kidnap plot than actually thought. So let's read this, because this pisses me off. Let me try to get rid of this stupid video on the side. Members of an anti-government group accused of hatching a plan to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer claimed they were set up by more than a dozen FBI agents who had infiltrated the organization and played a key role in the plot, according to a new report. Fourteen members tied to the paramilitary militia group Wolverine Watchmen, that's a badass name, some of these uh, militant groups have really lame names, so Wolverine Watchmen, I'll, I'll give them credit for that one. Fourteen members were arrested in connection to the 2020 scheme to kidnap the Democratic governor after she refused to loosen coronavirus restrictions in the state. The plan was, to, was brainstormed at a militant group training camp in August. Within a few short weeks, the defendants began surveilling Whitmer's vacation house and drew a map that noted approximate distances from the home to police first responders, according to an indictment. The group also also allegedly planned to attack infrastructure near Whitmer's house, including blowing up a bridge to slow response from law enforcement officers. The case has been heralded as a high-profile example of how the FBI infiltration of the innermost circle of extremist um, groups can thwart domestic terrorism, but others believe it's an example of gross government overreach that could backfire. And I think it's beyond gross government overreach. Prosecutors recently revealed that there were a dozen confidential informants working on the case. The, dev the evidence they helped gather provided a glimpse into the American extremism and how some self-proclaimed militia groups collaborate, col collaborate with one another, including pooling resources and building on violent ideas. <clears throat> so these informants supposedly showed this glimpse into militia groups and how they work together to come up with these ideas says, but a closer look into the foil kidnapping by BuzzFeed revealed that some of the informants the government used appeared to play a far greater role in the plot than previously reported. In fact, the informants had a hand in nearly every aspect of the twisted machination, including its inception. New information on the extent of the FBI's involvement has raised question as to whether there would have even been a conspiracy to take down the governor without their help. One Wisconsin-based government informant, for example, helped organize a series of cross-country meetings with extremists. So let's go back there. It says, The prosecution revealed that there's evidence that provides a glimpse into how self-proclaimed militia groups collaborate with one another, including pooling resources. However, down here, it says, The FBI informant helped organize a series of cross-country meetings or co collaborations with other militant groups. So is it the militant groups that work together to collaborate, or are they collaborating through the resources of 
FBI agents pushing them into this stuff. Says these meetings allegedly laid the groundwork for a multi-part plot. That same informant, the FBI guy, also paid for hotel rooms and food as incentive to get people to come. So, yes, these militant groups are working together because FBI agents are pulling them together. FBI agents are paying for their hotel rooms. FBI agents are paying for their food and giving them incentives to pull the resources together. So who's at fault here? Is it the militant groups that are doing it? That already are on like on edge here, and they have some crazy ideas. I'm sure a lot of them are like crazy veterans and shit, not saying anything bad about veterans, but um, some of them already have like, they're already like paranoid about the government and stuff, and then you get FBI agents in there that say, you know what we should do? We should join other militant groups that have the same ideas. And you know what? I'm going to buy you, I'm going to get you all hotel rooms so you can have these meetings. I'll even get you food and alcohol and throw this all together so you guys can have one happy place to do this shit. Another FBI informant, an Iraq war veteran, was so deeply involved in the militant group that he rose in the ranks to become second in command. He also encouraged members to work with other suspects and even offered to foot the bill to get people to and from meetings. So he's transporting these people that probably otherwise wouldn't have been there to help out in this shit in the first place. He's also accused of urging the alleged mastermind of the kidnapping plot to carry it out before laying the trap for him to be arrested. So apparently this informant was really pushing the head guy to carry this out in the first place. So let, let, I don't think I have to read much further into this. We see where this is going. Let's talk for just a second about this. Let's say you got one crazy dude named Timothy McVeigh. Let's say... He's really pissed off at the government, and he constantly is saying how pissed off he is at the government. He runs into John, an FBI informant, and John starts communicating back and forth with him, you know, kind of rowling up a little bit and being like, you know what? The government does fucking suck, and we do need to do something. John, what are we got—or not John. Timothy, Mr. McVeigh, we got to do something about this. And he keeps pushing him further and deeper into these deranged thoughts. And then, not only does he encourage Timothy McVeigh to continue into this delusion, but he also says, you know what, Tim, I'm going to rent you a, a moving truck to carry this shit in. And then, you know, I got this, I got this uh, explosives guy over here. He, he can hook you up with some explosives. And then I got this guy who um, knows how to really... And, you know, he, he throws all the, the, the missing pieces that were in deranged Timothy McVeigh's uh, plot, whether it was a plot before or after. I'm not saying this happened. No, I'm just saying, like, let's take a look from an extreme side here. Whose fault is it then? Who's at fault that Timothy McVeigh pursued that, like... <laughs> did the inevitable and blew up the Oklahoma building. Obviously, Timothy McVeigh's at fault, but is the person that put together all the resources for him to pull the shit off, wouldn't he be just as much at fault, regardless of if it's a fucking FBI agent or um, some co-conspirator? Wouldn't these FBI agents be co-conspirators 
in this plot to uh, kidnap Governor Whitmer when they are paying for transportation to get the people there. They are hooking them up with some of these other militant groups to pool their resources together. They're paying for the hotel rooms for the meetings. Aren't they now co-conspirators? Who's more at fault here? (laughs) As this article says, it's kind of hard to believe any of this would have even played out had it not been for the resources brought together by the FBI themselves. And that makes you wonder how many of these big events, these big extremist events, would be what they are without FBI infiltration. That's really all I got to say on that. People are pushed into things and then arrested for doing those things. And yes, um, this brings out, like, the... display of the extremism that's going on in the United States. You're you're creating this extremism. You're arming the freaking people that you're calling terrorists. You're putting these thoughts in their head, these extreme thoughts, and then turning around and arresting them for, for being extremists. Who's the fucking extremist here? Who should be arrested here? I am well overdue for my hour of time here. I have so much more to look into on this whole fucking FBI story. I have very little look into for the Tokyo Olympics because it seems like a freaking joke and coronavirus ain't going away anytime soon. So I'm sure there's plenty to talk about there. I'm going to get out of here for this week. This has been your weekend wrap-up. Tomorrow night, like I said, we will be back here live. Bill will be joined as long as he doesn't get arrested or something on his last night in Vegas. Um, I'm hoping to talk about that whole town hall meeting um, and all the hypocrisy and all the bullshit that went on with that. Make sure you check that out. 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Make sure you check out um, our all our social media pages. Share us around. Get this word out there. And like, subscribe, all that fun, happy shit. And um, I'm going to get out of here for this week. This has been your weekend wrap-up. Never, never stop talking. The Break the Bell Podcast is brought to you by you so pat yourself on the back because without you we would be talking to ourselves a special thanks to our patreon members remzo and justin a shout out to our sponsors goulash media on the run with remzo w martinez podcast and van zot media if you'd like to help support us visit patreon.com slash break the bell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com Get back here next time and let us continue to invade your ear holes and as always, never stop talking.